Uh, today, inshallah, we're going to do one of the famous uh, incidents in the side of the seerah. What do I mean by the side of the seerah? There are many things happened in Medina at the time of the Prophet And there's a particular incident that is mentioned in every single book of hadith. And every student of knowledge has to study this incident because it has so many fiqhi and adab benefits. And in fact, uh, some of our great scholars, like Imam Al-Tabari, Ibn Khuzayma, they actually wrote specific treatises about this one incident and they derived benefits. Uh, Imam Al-Tabari derived over 400 benefits from this one incident that I'm going to quickly summarize for you. And it is sometimes technical, but it's also very interesting because it shows us the reality of life and it shows us things happening in Medina that of course happen in any society. And this is known as the incident of Al-Barira, the incident of Barira. The incident is summarized as follows. Barira was a slave. And our mother Aisha she had announced that she wants to free a slave. She had announced that she wants to free a slave for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Barira then visited Aisha, our mother Aisha said that, Oh, mother Aisha, my masters have agreed for something called mukataba. That's I said, it's technical. We're going to go over these things. My masters have agreed for mukataba. I need help. And the price they have set is nine silver coins. And I have agreed to pay them over nine years. One coin a year to be free. So our mother Aisha said, go to your owners and say, I'll give them the nine coins right now. But I have the condition that al-wala will be mine. What is al-wala? We need to understand what is al-wala before we move on. Al-wala is a concept because we don't alhamdulillah have to deal with slavery. We have forgotten this concept, but it is an Islamic concept. When the slave was freed, the slave became like an extended family member for the one who frees. The relationship becomes one of like an extended family. Regular visitations, helping, you know, being a part of the family. And even in our fiqh, this is our fiqh, even inheritance in some cases. The wala will even give inheritance in some cases. So wala, you know, in those days, families were small. They wanted to make their families big. Especially our mother Aisha, she didn't have any children. So she wanted this wala with this slave, Barira, that we're going to be like extended family. So she went back to the masters and they said, no, no, we're going to have the wala, the money comes from her. So let Aisha pay the money, but we're going to have that special connection. When Barira came back, Aisha then, you know, she didn't like this condition. But when the process in return, the same day she said, Ya Rasulullah, I want to free Barira, but I want the wala, I want that family connection thing that we have. But the masters are saying, no, the wala is going to be for them, even though the money is from me. Now here's where it gets fiqhi and interesting. The Prophet said, go ahead and let them give that condition. It shall not be fulfilled. And then he gave a sermon in the masjid. And he said, he praised Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he said, how can people put conditions that go against the book of Allah? Al-wala belongs to the one who frees the slave. You cannot buy or sell and gift it. It's not a privilege that you can gift. It automatically comes to the one who frees. So he allowed Aisha to let them agree, but then he made this condition null and void. So Barira then became free. Now the story becomes sad and tragic and uh, romantic all at the same time. Barira had a husband by the name of Mughith, and the two of them were both slaves. Barira was freed. Our mother Aisha said, Barira established three Islamic laws. That's why this hadith is studied in every book of fiqh. Barira established three Islamic laws. The first of them, 
The wala belongs to the one who frees regardless of the ownership. No, whoever pays, wala will be. She established this law. Nobody can dispute it. That's why in all of our schools of law, all the scholars of Islam say, the one who frees gets the wala, not the one who owns. The one who frees gets the wala. Number two, the Prophet, uh, our mother Aisha said, Barira became free. Her husband was still an abd. Barira was then given the choice to remain or to annul the contract. And she chose to annul the contract. And number three, we're going to come back to point number two. Number three, once the Prophet came to the house and he saw meat being cooked, which is very, very rare. Meat was cooked once every two months, once every three months. And he saw meat being cooked. When he sat down for dinner, there was no meat. So he said, didn't I see the meat being cooked? But where is the meat? Alhamdulillah, this sunnah we all love. Alhamdulillah. Where is the meat? So Aisha said, oh, Barira, somebody gave Barira meat as sadaqah. So we're cooking that meat. But we know you don't eat sadaqah, so we cannot put it in front of you. Our mother Aisha can eat other... The Prophet is not allowed to eat sadaqah. So the Prophet said, it was given sadaqah to Barira, correct? She said, yes. And Barira gifted it to us, correct? Yes. Okay. So for us, it is a gift, not sadaqah. It wasn't sadaqah to us. What this shows, transfer of ownership transfers the status of the good as well, right? Transfer of ownership transfers the status is a fiqhi point. Now let's get back to the second point, which is the issue of marriage and divorce. Barira and Mughith were both abd. And it is allowed in Islamic law to have a marriage, right? So you have to understand when we say our concept of slavery, it's radically different than the Western concept. Radically different. Of the concepts that are different in the Quran, we should know this as Muslims. In the Quran, Allah says, if an abd or an amma, a slave comes to you and they demand freedom, you must give them the contract for freedom in alimtum fihim khaira, if they are good people. The Quran mandates you give them the contract of freedom. What is the contract of freedom? You agree to a reasonable price and you say, Khalas, you can become free when you pay the price. This is in our sharia. It's in the Quran, so we should know it. Katibuhum. This is called mukataba. So Bari demanded, I want to be free. So the, the owners had to give the contract. The Quran mandates it. So the owners gave the price, nine go, uh, silver coins. And then in our sharia, once the slave asks this, in our sharia, uh, he or she must be given some extra time away from the daily chores to earn some money so that they can put themselves free. This is a very different concept. It is actually closer to the English term indentured servant than the English term slave. In our sharia, I don't like using the term slavery because it's so different than the Western concept. How can it actually be slavery when the person has the right to be freed according to the Quran? And we have this instance here. Barira wanted to be freed. The, 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 the owners negotiated the contract. said, khalas, okay, this is the amount. So she comes and she says, I want that nine. Now, uh, our mother Aisha wanted to free a slave. That's another point of our religion. One of the greatest deeds of charity is to help free this mukataba. This is one of the biggest charities. So our mother Aisha has announced, everybody knows she has something to free the slave. So Barira comes. And so then this nine is given. This also shows, by the way, that it is allowed in Islamic law to have uh, payments that are given monthly or, or annually, and it is allowed to have a lump sum payment as well. And by the way, this is a technical point, not from the Hadith of Bidira, but you should know this, that it is also permissible to announce two prices for an object. You can say, if you pay in installments, $100 a month for one year, and if you pay one time, $1,000. The two are not the same. 
but it is halal in Islamic law. As long as, as long as you have the option and you choose one of the options when you sign the contract. You cannot sign without knowing which of the two. The person can announce $100 a month for one year, that's $1,200. And, and he can say $1,000 immediately. This is halal, and the hadith of doesn't directly relate to this, but the concept of installments and one-time payment is mentioned here. So our mother Aisha says one-time payment. Now, here's the point. Islamic law says you can marry as slaves and you can choose your marriage as slaves. However, there's a technical point. If one of the two parties becomes free, they have the choice to remain in the marriage or not. They have the choice. Even if it is the lady, she has the choice. In this case, Barira decided she doesn't want to remain married. Why? Because her options become more. Now that she's a freed lady, now she can get a different person and a different lifestyle, obviously because lifestyles are very different, right? And have a better opportunity for herself. This is now the reality of society. So she decided to annul fasq, to move on with the marriage. After the idda, she can marry again. Now, the story goes a little bit sad. The husband, Mughith, loved Barira immensely. And Barira didn't really have the return of the same love. And so, for those three months of the idda, you know, you have three months idda, even for the woman, by the way, in this case. So for three months, she has to wait, and she cannot get married until uh, the three months is over. Barira and Mughith were technically still married, but now she has opted, after three months, I'm no longer your wife. So for three months, Mughith would be begging and pleading for her to reconsider. He loved her immensely. And Ibn Abbas said, we used to see Mughith following Barira in the streets, pleading with her publicly, crying in the streets that, please, let's give it a chance. Allow me to be with you. Give me an opportunity. And Barira did not listen to him. Until one time, the Prophet was standing, and the two of them are having it out in public again. So by the way, it shows you, it doesn't matter where you are, these things are, you know, common, like heartbroken love stories are common. It doesn't, this is the reality. And sometimes it's from the lady, sometimes it's from the man. It is what it is, right? What are you going to do? And so he's begging her, pleading her, and he's crying in public, and she's not even looking at him. Like, she doesn't have that love. And the Prophet turned to his uncle Abbas, and he goes, Oh, Abbas, aren't you amazed at how much love Mughith has for Barira, and how much Lack of love. There is no return from Barira back to Mughith. And then the Prophet called the two of them. And this shows, subhanAllah, community leaders, elders, relatives, families, when there is a marital dispute, you try to help. You try to help. So he called the two of them. And he said, Oh Barira, why don't you listen to Mughith and accept his shafa'ah? Why don't you just get back together? And you, are, you have a child, they had a child as well. You have a child as well. He's the father of your child and he's a good man. You know, just get back to him. So Barira said, Ya Rasulullah, are you commanding me to return to the marriage or are you just shafi'ah intercession, you know, arbitration? Is this a hukum or are you just trying to be nice, right? Look at the technical. She understood. If the Prophet commands me, then I have no choice. But if he's just trying to, you know, be an a, a arbiter, then I have the choice. She understood this. Subhanallah. So the Prophet said, no, this is not hukum. This is just shafa'ah. I'm not commanding you. It's just trying to bring you together, make sulah between husband and wife. It's not a hukum from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm just trying to help, you know, to, to save the marriage. So, Barira 
flips the hand and says, لا حاجة لي في I have no need of him. Literally, I have no need of him. And the marriage was annulled. And she then married somebody else after three months. What this shows here, subhanAllah, and again, these are awkward realities, but we should know them. That sometimes, sometimes, for some people, the marriage is more practical than love-based. And in this case, Barira opted in for the marriage with Mughid because she had no other option. But she didn't really love this person. But Mughid fell in love with her. And Mughid was absolutely obsessed with her. And he wanted the marriage to continue. But it wasn't the case. When her options became more, this also shows us, right? And I, I hope I don't open up a can of worms, but fiqh is fiqh here. A marriage contract is not something that is like a binding until the day of judgment for both parties by the way if one of the parties really wants to leave it's not a prisoner that, that forever that person must remain if one of them is adamant that i cannot remain my mental state what not it is what it is and yes we try yes we we give the encouragement but in the end of the day it's not like khalas because in this case the woman wanted to leave and she has the option to leave and the process allowed her that option and there was no like demanding there was no you know abuse there was nothing going on it's just i cannot remain here because i don't have that love and respect i should have for the husband that's all the reason was i want to now move on with my options so here we learn from the hadith as well that sometimes marriages are pragmatic and there's nothing wrong with that when Barira were married that marriage was going on and sometimes marriages don't last and there's also nothing wrong with that it is mentioned that the both of them moved on and got married again afterwards so at the time he's heartbroken but subhanallah he recuperates and recovers and life goes on and things happen and then of course the final point here which is the incident of the sadaqah we all know we all know that the Prophet and the Al al-Bayt, the descendants of the Prophet are not allowed to eat sadaqah. But what we learn here is that when you change the ownership, so something that is sadaqah, or whatever the issue might be, when you go and you give it to somebody, or you buy and sell, then the status of the money or the status of the object changes. Now this comes in handy for us, uh, actually again technical point, that if somebody has money that he or she might have earned in a haram manner, it's not our job to ask. When they come and they hand you for your halal business transaction, imagine if somebody owned a shop and then the sharia said haram money remains haram money. It's not your business to verify the person who walks into your shop. They walk in, they give you the cash, they give, you give the merchandise, whatever happened before they walked in. Now, the, here is different if you know for a fact that this is the criminal that has stolen from so-and-so, but it's not your job to verify, I'm trying to say, right? So you don't ask anybody what, 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 what happened before. Similar in the hadith of Barira, the sadaqah that was given to Barira, it's something that the status changes when Barira gifted it to the Prophet now it becomes the gift and it's no longer sadaqah so transfer of ownership trains changes the transfer of the item these are some benefits of the famous hadith of barira and mughith and inshallah we'll continue with other hadith of this major jazakumullah khair assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh سلموا تسليما إن الذين يؤذون الله ورسوله لعنهم الله في الدنيا والآخرة وأعد لهم عذابا مهينا 
والذين يؤذون المؤمنين والمؤمنات بغير ما اكتسبوا فقد احتملوا بهتانا وإثما مبينا 